empowering trusted identities of the world's people, places, and things. Every day, millions of people in more than 100 countries use our products and services to securely access physical and digital places. Over 2 billion things that need to be identified, verified, and tracked are connected through HID Global's technology. In today's episode, I'm joined by Matthew Lewis, who's Director of Product Marketing at HID Global, and we're going to be talking about why authentication is still such an issue. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, Richard. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Matthew, tell us one about yourself, how you got to HID Global, and two about HID, which apparently is one of the oldest cybersecurity companies around. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I'll start with myself. So yeah, Director of Product Marketing for HID, specifically within our workforce identity BU, that's part of our IAM division. Um, So Identity and Access Management Solution Division. HID Global, just generally, part of the Asa Bloy company um, out of Sweden, but it is all security all the time. Uh, everything from controllers and door panels to get into doors at a building, all the way to the, the things we do, which are focused on uh, ensuring trust for an employee or a visitor or a contractor uh, that you may be doing business with, as well as consumers and devices. So that's kind of the thumbnail version of, of all of that. Yeah. Lots of hardware I see on, on oh, yeah. the website. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, big printers like for uh, citizen identity type stuff. You've got card printers, uh, a lot of components for doors. So physical doors. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting being kind of the software arm of a manufacturer. Definitely kind of new space for me. Uh, traditionally I've been more in the just pure play software side, um, all the way back to my time at Entrust about ten years ago, which is actually where you and I know each other from. That's right, and and Entrust even is you know, at least merged with somebody that took them down that passport path as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. They, uh, yeah, when I was there, data card bought them back in the day. So yeah. So we both been doing this for over twenty years. Yep. Um, doesn't the question ever arise, why is authentication still such a problem? Why is, you know, the executive order from President Biden telling agencies to use uh, two-factor authentication? I mean, I thought everybody was already there. You you know, it it is funny when you take a step back and think about that the same things you and I were talking about a decade ago, we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, And, you know, when you think Think about it a little. Um, I think some of it just goes to, I don't want to say cultural inertia, but just our patterns and behaviors as, as individuals are just ingrained. And it's not like you you put that aside when you walk from the kitchen to uh, your office, which a lot of us are doing that nowadays um, mm-hmm. since we're working from home. You know, you're not, you're not really just changing who you are and suddenly thinking, okay, I now need to make sure everything I do is infinitely more secure than it was 30 seconds ago when I was Matthew, the consumer, logging into my bank app. So I, I think there's a lot of that just passwords are part of our daily lives. They auto-complete in our browser. They auto-complete on our phone. And it's just there. Uh, a lot of us don't think about increasing our security posture as a consumer. And I don't think that's going to change unless there is some sort of external pressure changing that as employees. And, and you referenced the the Biden administration's um, 
push kind of on the zero trust and pushing FIDO and two-factor authentication. And I think sometimes it's going to take those sort of externalities to a company or to, to you and I as employees to get us to really move forward on that front. And what about regulation? Don't those usually either regulation or standards like ISO or something, who, and they have plenty of standards for uh, identity, but regulations have teeth in them and you have to do what they say kind of thing. And budget usually gets assigned to being in compliance. Do you see a regulation coming out of anything here in the U.S. that we're doing on, on the advisory side, I guess? You know, I, I think that that's an interesting when you think about how those things get rolled out. And, and I think back to when HSPD 12 came out, you know, a while ago, um, <laughs> um, you know, it got rolled out and then it got pushed and then people get you know, extreme sort of circumstances and they get allowed a, a pass for a little while. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just learning through the years. Things are more slow to evolve when you get into user behaviors and things like that. And and I think you you bring up a good point of ensuring that those regulations have the teeth to actually push change within organizations um, and, and things like that. So I'm hopeful that, that some of what's coming out is, is going to change that. Now, we're actually starting to see some of those patterns change uh, in some of the sales conversations we're having, customers asking some different questions than maybe they used to. And and I suspect you're going to ask some questions here in a minute around things like zero trust and passwordless, all those phrases that are part of the zeitgeist at the moment. So I'll, I'll avoid diving <laughs> too, deep too quickly on that. <laughs> don't, don't jump ahead of me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the change of behavior from walking to the kitchen to your, your, your office in your home because we're you know, over two years into a work-from-home kind of world. Did you see any, you know, from your perspective at HID Global, did you see any changes? Because I've talked to people who do remote access types of things, and they, they refer to March of 2020 as March Madness because their <laughs> connection requests went up by 600% in, yeah. in those two weeks. That's a very interesting phrasing of it since everyone knows March Madness usually for other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was. We, we saw a bump. Um, people rushing to put something in place because, oh my gosh, suddenly our entire workforce is remote. Um, you know, to me, it was interesting because it accelerated. It feels like it accelerated what companies were wanting to do over two, three, five year time frame. Like it condensed that into a matters of months. So I definitely think there was a change because suddenly I'm not on VPN by, you know, just the fact that I'm on the company LAN or WAN. Um, I'm now outside of that old school perimeter that you and I've talked about for years uh, of kind of being beyond that and maybe maybe identity being central to a new variant of that. So it, it definitely was people trying to put in things to ensure the person logging into their device was Richard. I'm sure that the person logging into either their VPN or their Salesforce or, you know, whatever their ERP might be was actually the CFO of the company. So we definitely saw a bump kind of right there at the beginning. And then 
you know, what's interesting is I think a lot of CIOs and CISOs went, oh, we don't even have the basic building blocks for some of this infrastructure. We need to upgrade everything. And so for some, IAM seemed to have taken a bit of a backseat for a bit, but we're starting to get that interest now again, now that they've come up for air and, and are thinking about how to, okay, now that this is a little more permanent, what are we going to do that's more than a Band-Aid? Good. If only they continue thinking like that. Exactly. You know, if you've been in the business as long as we have, you start to see old ideas, or at least names for old ideas, come back again and again. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it took me the longest time when all of a sudden passwordless was the big thing. Got to get rid of the password. You still see that all over the place. I started talking to the people who do it, and I realized, oh, you mean client-side certificates? You know, the, the thing that, you know, Right, Netscape was probably the first one to introduce those back in the day. And uh, yeah, client-side certificates that aren't necessarily just in the browser anymore. They push them all the way down to a secure enclave. So there's they're better and they're really simple to deploy. Um, are you seeing that having an impact yet? Yeah, it's, it's funny. When I, I was chatting with uh, one of the technical team, um, has been around the space for a while. We were talking about the whole passwordless, kind of in the context of Microsoft's introduction through their public preview of Azure AD's CBA certificate-based authentication um, and how what we were doing with them was related to our smart cards and our security keys. And it was very X509 PKI related. Um, but we started musing on exactly what you said. It's like the, the idea of passwordless has been around for a very long time. I mean, it's the entire kind of point of the CAC card, the common access right. card that the, the U.S. government uses. So, you know, I, I, I think one of the biggest differences, though, from then, and you started to talk about usability and down into secure enclave on a phone. And, you know, we've had soft um, certs in our computers for years. We've had them in smart cards. There's derived credentials have been around for a while. I think it goes back to some of the point of FIDO. Um, you know, if you move beyond PKI to something, what would it, what would an easier setup be from PKI? And I think that's the point of FIDO um, without getting into the whole decentralization philosophical debate these days and web 3.0 and all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, please, please don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, what is old is new in some ways. I agree with that. Um, but I think, What's reinvigorating a lot of that is the newer technologies and that drive for usability and user experience, because it goes back to the top of this discussion. If I make authentication really hard, no one's going to use it. But yeah, it, it, it is interesting. Um, passwordless in some ways is is kind of a, a modern twist on a, an idea that's existed for quite some time. I agree. And then, you know, if you dig into it, it well, that's not really passwordless. You're just talking about a really, really strong password because the certificate is, is large. And another thing like that is zero trust network access. So in the umbrella of zero trust strategies, you've got ZTNA. And I start watching how that's supposed to work. And I'm going, oh, so you mean web single sign-on, right? I'm going to log in once. And then I'm going to see all the apps I've got access to, and I can log in directly from there. And the apps are kind of stealth from the rest of the internet, so only authenticated people see it. That's what people are talking about with 
at least the ZTNA access to applications that they're talking about. Yeah, I was reading an article recently where obviously zero trust kind of being Kindervog's coining uh, you being from Gartner, you 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 know they like their acronyms. They'd kind of come up with the I think they call it CARTA, but the person that coined ZTNA was was talking about. In retrospect, he might have preferred calling it zero trust. I think it was application access, which is exactly what you're saying. I, I think it's interesting when you think about zero trust and some of what you're talking about and whether it's passwordless or not. Yeah, one of the points of SSO from back in the day was reusing that initial authentication that you have. And and I don't want to say replay because that then goes to a different side of the, the world, yeah. but it was relying on a trusted brokerage for that authentication. Um, and I think one of the things that is really coming about is what does a password play in that? And, and I think it's what you said. If I can get rid of that password on the initial one, and then I'm using standards that exist, SAML, OIDC, whatever, um, and it's more ephemeral in nature, then I've reduced the attack surface considerably, but also required that initial login to to be a little more elevated. Um, As long as you're getting rid of some of those passwords where it makes sense, you're moving the overall discussion forward. I think that's the biggest thing to me is when people talk zero trust, it's it's like this panacea and you're going to be there and you know, it's not just silver bullets. Um, You've got to take steps. And so um, SSO and its modern variants, I think, are are crucial to that. But that initial authentication into that uh, SSO exchange is, is I think, highly important. Um, And kind of back to the topic of passwordless, if there is a password anywhere, even saved, is it truly passwordless at the end of the day? So... Yeah, interesting topic that we could go very far down the rabbit hole of. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could. Um, and then, you know, maybe this is more consumerish, but I hear a lot about adaptive authentication. And that's this whole concept, like you were just bringing up. Once you're logged in, somebody could be piggybacking on your connection and start abusing the connection and the things you do around that. Is there a play for that kind of thing in the enterprise as well? You know, I think there's going to be increasingly, especially since we are remote. Um, Because if you think about a lot of times when you're talking adaptive, you're looking at risk factors. Where is Richard logging in from? How fast has Richard logged in? Wait, why is he now logged in twice? And the, the fingerprint of those devices is now suddenly different, including won't say IP geolocation since that's easily spoofed, but you know there's other there's there's characteristics that don't make sense anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to increasingly become part of the paradigm for kind of a zero trust strategy of which identity is a key portion of that. And and I think that's also a way of potentially extending it to into the physical realm a little bit. Again, Richard's now logged in, but Richard's physical badge was used halfway across the world and. Germany, why is he logging in from his home or, you know, vice versa, whichever way that goes. So I think it's something that, you know, I think Microsoft is starting to do some of that with, with Azure AD um, and adaptive access um, that they call it. I think a lot of the ping and Oktas are looking at that. I know we do it on the consumer side um, for sure. So I, I think that'll be a topic that is going to increasingly become important. Um, but I also think it is a 
part of a multi-pronged approach, which is why partnerships um, in the space are so important and being standards-based and being open to fitting into a very kind of heterogeneous landscape that a customer may have that is fit for their risk. So different organizations will have different risk profiles, means they may need different things, but one of which may be adaptive. Yeah, and those and those risk profiles are changing every day, so they, they have to adjust to them. So this has been great, Matthew. I, I suggest we get together again and do it over in 10 years. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, use, we'll use the same topic. So we might be talking about uh, what will be quantum identity then. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll yeah. think of something. And I just want to thank you for your insights on today's topic. 